So for so many of you listeners that were heavily impacted, last week was, was Hurricane Ian on Wednesday and Thursday. Boy, the time is just kind of a blur. And so we want to share as opportunities for anybody who would like to contribute and donate to so many people that were negatively impacted by this devastating storm. As as everybody, the listeners probably know, we were reporting from the Lakewood Ranch area of Bradenton and, and Sarasota. So it was very close to us. And certainly a number of our listeners who are farther south than us were impacted. So just want to share opportunities for any listener who'd like to make a contribution. Uh, this will be in the podcast notes. So if you don't want to write it down, you're driving or whatnot, just go look at wherever you're, you're listening to this podcast from and all this information will be there. Uh, the Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Fund is the Employee Hurricane Relief Fund. And you can go to their website and search for that. That's to help their employees. Uh, the Community Foundation of Sarasota County has established the Suncoast Disaster Recovery Fund. Uh, the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, the Atlanta Hurricane Season Recovery Fund, with funds going to Ian Relief. Uh, Gulf Coast Community Foundation has established its Disaster Relief Fund. And the United Way Suncoast, which covers five counties in southwest Florida, has created its Disaster Recovery Resource page. So any of those are trusted nonprofit organizations that if you feel compelled to help those victims and we're looking for a place to, to donate your money, uh, please see those in the show notes and or Google what I said and you'll, you'll find an opportunity to donate. Um, any gifts are, are deeply appreciated and those organizations will make sure it gets into the right hands. So thank you very much and uh, we'll now move into the podcast. Today's podcast is Will Armstead, CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of St. Lucie County. I have known Will for about a year now through a Leadership Florida class and just been really impressed with his knowledge and understanding of being a CEO, of which he is, like I shared with you, but also understanding the roles and responsibilities of board members because he has sat on a number of boards and has been a board chair, in fact, of the organization for which he is now CEO. So join me in listening to my conversation with Will Armstead and the follow-up with Reed Corley. Hey everybody, Reed Corley here to let you know we will be releasing a new podcast every week. If you want to be the best board member you can be, visit our website, thecorleycompany.com to sign up for our email list to be the first to know when a podcast drops. I have Will Armstead here today, and Will and I know each other from Leadership Florida, a recent graduating class of that organization. We were sitting at, I think it was down in Miami, Will, at a, at a cooking show, believe it or not, and we started talking about nonprofit boards. You were sharing with me and your role as CEO of a really large organization, which we're going to talk about in a minute, how you work with your board of directors and some opportunities you have there. And I said, well, gosh, I consult with boards. And we, had, we shared some similar frustrations and opportunities. So thank you for joining us today, Will. And tell us, who, who, what organization do you lead right now? Thank you for having me, Michael. I uh, lead the Boys and Girls Clubs of St. Lucie County in St. Lucie, Florida. And um, it is a pleasure to do the work that I get to do every single day. Never thought that I would be in the world of nonprofits like I am, but... I started my career in the military, ended up working for a couple of large companies, uh, service industry companies, and ended up in a place where I really enjoy doing it because I get to help lots of people. 
Well, well, you, you, well, you've got a, an incredible career, and the fact that one day you said, "I want to go be CEO of the Boys and Girls Club." So, t- share with the group how did that come about? I think you've been on the board, but it was the national board, weren't you? No, I was at, I was on the local board, Were you? and uh, you know, uh, um, an opportunity happened, and you know, I was like, I was traveling a lot, spent a lot of time away from the family, but I've always enjoyed uh, youth development. And so it was really a natural fit for me to uh, transition from the corporate world to the nonprofit world. So what do you think was the biggest transition for you from going from a board member of the organization to now you're you're the day-to-day guy, you're the CEO, you're running the show, having to work with now all these people, your bosses that were the day before were your colleagues. It was fun, but it was it was a little tough, you know, because you know, we, we have a really good board. We have a strong board. And so, and I was part of that strong board. So, you know, a lot of the uh, the things that we wanted to see happen at the local boys and girls clubs really was being directed from the board. And I was kind of leading the board as the chair. So uh, it was strong. So now I had to eat some of the things that my board wanted me to do. <laughs> I, I understand. I can imagine that was quite a, a transition period. So so talk a little bit about your role as board member. And what we're getting here is, is we want to share and help educate nonprofit board members. There, there's no school for us, because I've been one, you as a board member to go to. So we kind of learn by doing and hearing. Uh, you, you're interesting because you were board chair, you were on the board, and now you're CEO of the organization. So can you share a little bit about the difference in roles and responsibilities from board board to CEO. Yeah, I like it. You know, we talk about nonprofit boards. It's so important. I mean, when I was on the board, I had the privilege of being in the military. So I I knew what law and order meant, right? I knew, you know, working for a corporation, big corporations, I knew about fiduciary responsibilities. You know, they have big boards, you know, people who are the leaders in the country on some of these national boards. And so at the local level, um, I understood that as a board chair, that it was important that the local leaders were going to have to get involved to make sure that they were fiduciarily responsible for the organization, not just uh, to say that I sit on the board for the Boys and Girls Clubs or any other board locally, probably more important locally to just have the best of the best on your board, which I have. And and so I assume the board has evolved a little bit in your tenure there. You've been there seven years. So when you as a CEO, when you think about the composition of the board, and I know you're very strategic in this, how do you, you know, share with us how a CEO should and does view their board and and what the composition might look like? So, uh, I mean, I think that's a really good question because I have these conversations with a lot of our local nonprofits. We should treat it as if it's a business. And so the people that you want on your board are folks that are going to um, help make good business decisions, sound decisions that's gonna either keep the uh, organization organization stable, or if it's gonna be a growth mode type organization, how you gonna grow it. And so locally, uh, we're very strategic in who we want on our board. So I don't want five, in our particular case, I don't want five attorneys, five bankers. 
I want the board to represent the community that we're serving. And so uh, we're very strategic at the folks that we, we bring on. Uh, as a CEO, I'm very involved in the, um, in the well, I'm not gonna say I'm involved in the selection process, but I'm involved with, you know, bringing people or suggesting folks that should be on our board that can work well with the other board members. And so when you, when you make those suggestions, if you will, how do you identify those people? Is just the relationships and contacts? I mean, are, are, you know, help us understand how a CEO identifies a potential board member to introduce to the, the board governance committee. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the things that we look at is who are the folks in a community that have influence to making the decision? And we're looking for decision makers. And so on our board, which I'm proud of, we have in St. Lucie County, we have we are known to have one of the best boards around. So we have folks that are that work in city government. We have business owners. We have a couple of people of influence from their businesses or foundations. So we make sure that we have a number of people that um, they they're not all the same, but from a collaborative standpoint. They know how to do that. And then also it's important to, uh, from picking board members, making sure that it's diverse, not just in ethnicity, but it's diverse in age. And so we wanna make sure that, you know, we don't have everybody on the board that's been around for 25 years. They have that badge of honor, but that they are bringing up the next generation of board members. So. For us, we were very intentional not just to have boomers on our board, then we we went to make sure we had some some Gen Zs and and now we're really looking at uh, millennials. We have several millennials and and we're getting close to getting that um, the 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 Y on the board. So it, it's really getting everybody on the board or Gen Xs rather. Uh, getting uh, enough people on the board that could come up with the, uh, a different perspective, but meet the goals uh, of the of the community. So, so what I'm hearing, and this is fascinating, so the board's very strategic from its composition to even its role, and I, and I wanna highlight that there is a fiduciary responsibility for being on a nonprofit board. It, it should not just be a gratuitous position. It takes work. And there is an obligation and a responsibility. So I appreciate you you sharing that, Will. So now, so let's just say I'm on your board. How often do you expect or want to interact with board members, either in meetings and or in between meetings? What, what should the expectation be? So in our particular case, my expectation on the boards that I do sit on as well is that we um, – we, we become a family and, and, you know, sometimes in business, we don't talk about it that way, but we want every one of our board members to be engaged. So that means that I'm going to talk to you, you know, maybe twice a month, three times a month, even if it's just to pick up the phone and say, how are things going in your world? Let me share with you what's going on in our world. So from the board governance to the uh, executive team, we're speaking often. Sometimes we're speaking two or three times a week, depending on what's going on. Um, and as a board, as a whole, we speak at least once a month. And so in, in, in uh, St. Lucie County, we have 25 board members. I touch every board member every month prior, okay. to, a board prior to a board meeting. 
And it, it, it may be in a different, it may be in a number of different ways, you know. Everybody likes to be communicated differently. So some it might be a phone call, some it may be a text message, some may be email, but we gotta find out as board leaders, oh, I'm sorry, but as CEOs, what is the best way to communicate uh, with each board member and bring them to the table with us. The better we have gotten with that, the more participation we're finding from the board members. Oh, interesting. So keep them engaged and, and keep them up to date. And that's challenging. 25 people on a monthly basis. That's a, a heck of a commitment of time on your part. It is. and uh, But it's all part of what I, my responsibility is, right? My responsibility is, is uh, relationship building. And so those are 25 people that I have to build relationships with. But it, it, some of them, maybe five minutes. I mean, it takes 30 seconds to send a text out, but they know who I am, right? They are engaged. You know, one of the things that we do well is we send information out all the time. We make sure that we'll send out an email uh, to them maybe uh, once a week, uh, or we include them in on email. So I have from the desk of the CEO uh, newsletter that goes out once a week, and I'm sharing with lots of people, but my board is also being shared that same information. Uh, we invite them to everything. And then you get to know your board members, right? Which board members like what kind of events? So I don't inundate them with everything. I will segment them off to the things I know they enjoy doing. Very good. A lot of work, and, and you can only get there through experience. And so I commend you for that. And let me let me ask you this. So when you send something, when a meeting is forthcoming, what is your expectation of the board members prior to? Do you, you know, as a board member, what should I be expected to know, to read, to do? I'm not saying you should shame your board members into anything, but your board members... Um should know, you know, when budget time comes around, it's like they should have an idea of, of what's going on in that budget. So what we do is we ensure we send the information out and we give everyone an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, we give everyone an opportunity to come in and get one-on-one -on -one with um, understanding the finances because everyone's not a financial guru so it's like come in we'll talk to you individually so you feel like you're a part of the boys and girls club the other thing that we do is we we allow the board members to be ambassadors so for us they're an ambassador to something whatever that something is it's a club so they get to interact with the people that we work with and that's one of the ways to really get boards engaged is that they can understand why they are on that board. They have to see the people that are doing the work. You know, it's really no different. Well, it, it, it's slightly different than a for-profit board, right? A for-profit board, there are some serious expectations and obligations of board members. Be prepared to understand the financials, and it goes on and on. And non-profit board, it is not different. Wow. Nonprofit board members really do need to understand the financials. They need to understand the operations of the organization because they provide that fiduciary oversight. And, and I, while you you can't be as bold in making that statement, I can as the consultant that board members really should understand how how the boards uh, how the organization's operating. And if that means they got to come in for one on one support and help, they they should do that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. But here, here's the real truth of the matter. You have to make sure you put the right executive team in play. And so for us, we're very strategic to make sure that the board chair um, and the CEO are on the same page. And, um, and when that happens, magic happens because we know what's going on. And so we have a board meeting coming up and, you know, my board chair and I will meet later this afternoon and we will talk about the issues. We'll talk about uh, things that we have coming up, things that we intend to do from a strategic standpoint. And as we work through those things, we're on the same page. And then um, when we have our executive meeting, just the same exact thing. The executive team works together, the finance team works together, resource development works together. And then when we all come together, everybody is very aware of what's going on in our organization, right? And, and even if they're not the expert, they know that there are lots of things that are happening and moving. So the secret sauce is communication, like in any organization, being very intentional about it. Because what you just described takes a lot of time it and does. intentionality. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm pretty honored to be working where I work because I have a full-on team, right? When I when I joined this organization as the CEO, I was very clear that we had to have a good strong infrastructure. And I realized that some nonprofits don't have strong infrastructure. So the CEO sometimes is doing the HR and they're doing some of these other things. But that's an opportunity that the smaller nonprofits should connect with other smaller nonprofits so that they could work together to streamline some of those responsibilities. And for us, our success comes from uh, building a trust with the board to understand that we needed a strong foundation in order to do the work that we do. You mentioned a minute ago the, the relationship with the board chair and how critically important that is. Can, can, so the, the board chair, can you explain a little bit about the time you all spend together? And even when you were a board chair prior to, your expectations, just talk about that dynamic a little bit because I've seen it work really well and I've also seen it where there's just tension there and it doesn't work very well. Yeah, so the uh, for us, when I was a board chair, I you know, this is, it was my passion. And I traveled a lot during that time frame. And uh, the board chair, uh, me being a board chair, I made sure that I gave at least one day a week, meaning an hour or two to the CEO, because he really needed my, my, my assistance. And, and he could be a voice to what I may need to accomplish, because here's the truth of the matter. The, the, board chair and the rest of the board are all volunteers typically and so that's not their full-time job that's what they're doing as a volunteer and so they may not know all the inner workings that are happening to make the organization successful and so um, i understood that coming into this role that i knew what i expected and i expect the same from my board chairs and so it's got to be a partnership and I have heard where um, board chairs and CEOs don't get along. And that happens too, because there's not a balance of what their responsibilities are. The, the board chair and the boards might 
put their fingers a little bit too deep into the operational part of the organization and not keep it at the high level. I'm very honored to work for a board that they understand that the operations employees and such work for me and that they're responsible for making sure that I'm carrying out the duties as a, a, a CEO. Well, and, and that becomes one of the challenges. I'm just curious, what in the, in the situation that a board member is too involved with staff, and it doesn't sound like it's at your organization, but you probably observed that as, as I have, what, what would your advice be to that CEO and or the board chair since you've occupied both seats? I think as a, um, as a CEO, first and foremost, you have to uh, have a, you know, direct dialogue. Like you have to have a good conversation. And they put you in a chair as an executive direct, uh, an executive. So you have to have courage to be able to speak up on behalf of your role in itself, right? And so my biggest um, advice that I would give to another CEO is really to have courage, make sure that you run an authentic organization, then you can speak that way because you're really working with volunteers. And so if if you're doing everything with fidelity, then you can you can speak up. And the other piece is having those uh, conversations with your staff, with the expectation for them is as well. Is um, here's what is for the board, and then here's what's for the organization. And I have lots of staff members that are involved with conversations with the board. Lots because we're in a community, and most nonprofits, you're in the community, so everyone knows everyone. But they, but we also, they also understand from a board's perspective that they can't indulge information that doesn't need to go to the board. If there's a question about what's going on in the organization, they need to talk to me as a CEO or COO or you know vice presidents, whoever needs, whoever they need to speak with follow the chain of command. And if they do that well, life's good. If the board does it, life's good. If they neither one of them do it, life is kind of hard because <laughs> everybody has an opinion. Indeed. So, and then the, the role of the board chair in all of this, because you've sat in that position as well, how often should a board chair communicate with the board members? I think minimally once a month. You know, because, you know, I've sat on boards where we communicated every three months and those are difficult because it's all about relationship building and, and building trust. And so when you, you have both of those, then when the board chair says, hey, we have an opportunity over here to do this or guys, we're going to have to raise the minimum wage. The board is kind of well aware of what's going on. The board chair helps to uh, facilitate the discussion. And the, the better the board chair is, the better uh, outcomes you're going to have. Oh, and that's a really good example because I know that's a dis topic of discussion in a lot of boardrooms right now for nonprofits is pay rates and, and wages. And if you have a uh, an uninformed uh, or unengaged board, that would be a really difficult conversation to have because then you're essentially selling the, the whole value proposition versus if you had communicated all along, it while well, you still have to quote unquote sell it, the concept, and they got to you know, honor their fiduciary obligation, the reality is it might be a much more strategic and productive discussion. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, when we were, Michael, when we were going through um, 
two years in a row, three years in a row, actually, we we had to look at how we were going to reduce uh, turnover. And we had that conversation three years ago. We gave the board an opportunity to know that we're going to be coming back to you over the next couple of years because the state of Florida has said we're going to be making these you know, incremental uh, increases. But in our county, I wanted to do it a little bit faster because in the end, it was going to be minimum wage, right? So what we were able to do was to prep the board a year in advance. So when they heard the conversation, they saw the results, we were able to share how we could make it happen, which would include them. It made the conversation two hours versus 30 days. 60 days trying to get an understanding of what makes sense. And there you go again, and the folks listening to the podcast, the, the strategy behind working with your board and the importance of communication. No, nobody likes surprises, certainly board members. Uh, you, you brought up a very good point a few minutes ago when you said you know, they're only there once a month, right, for a meeting. And so and this isn't their full time job. So for them to be fully aware of everything that's going on and engaged is really challenging. So it's incumbent upon the, the CEO and the board chair to ensure that they are engaged and educated so that you can have those types of discussions. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things that make it nice, you know, if you're, if you're on a board, uh, not only just get engaged, but uh, being invited. Board members like to be invited to things they like to do. You know, we have board members that, you know, they like the fun stuff, right? You know, we have board members that like putting on a nice suit and tie and going to a dinner event. So it's a com it's a combination of understanding your board members, understanding what's going on. It could be simple things that we know that we have board members that like being recognized for their birthday. That you know, we have board members that, you know, when you know that they have something special coming up or you see their picture in the paper and you send them a little note. I mean, how does that feel for us, right? When we get a little note in the mail, we weren't expecting it, could have been a down day for us. Board members are the same exact way, acknowledging them, uh, letting them know that they have a value to be on the board, that they're, don't help them to be a resume writer, share with them how they, they can be of, of value. And, and that's what this is all about, is the, the value that board members bring to, to the nonprofit, the CEO, and to the organization as a whole. There, there is an important role that they can play uh, to help you further that mission. And, you know, so many board members probably don't feel appreciated or don't feel like they contribute. But in, in reality, uh, there's every opportunity to do so, and that's the expectation. Yes. I mean, we, uh, we do – I mean, for us, I mean, we were um... – uh, th a $3 million nonprofit six years ago. We're a $9.5 million nonprofit. And I didn't do that by myself, right? I helped facilitate a few things. But ultimately, we want our board members to own relationships. We want them to be a part of meetings. We want them to make the tough choices and decisions as well. There are going to be things that are going to happen that are not going to go well. We want the board to be immersed in everything that we're doing, but we want it balanced with them not putting their fingers in everything, but to be a part of it. And that's a hard balance, but but it's easy to do if, if um, 
if the CEO really believes in the work that they're doing, as well as the board that you assemble really believe in the work that they're doing as, as well. I hope everybody heard that. In a matter of seven years, this organization has gone from three million to nine and a half million. That is absolutely tremendous, tremendous growth. And I can imagine all the challenges that come with that. But I would suspect it could not have happened had you not had a supportive board. Absolutely. We have uh, done some things with our board members, especially through COVID. Uh, our board chair became the board chair right in front of COVID. And we had the most successful year. And, and But we already have built a relationship three years prior to that. And so um, because of that, uh, my board chair trusted where I was going. And I trusted when she said that's not such a great idea right now. Let's let's maybe let's let's pause that for six six months and let's come back to that. Um, and and quite honestly, when you know your board chair, you still throw it out there because at least you throw the hook out and knowing that you're going to come back to it, but at least get it going. And the fact you're aligned and you both got the one one thing in common, that's you want to further the mission of the organization. So that relationship is so critically important. So, well, let me ask you this. We're going to, we're going to wrap up with, with two questions. Advice you have, I'm asked, advice you have to CEOs when it comes to working with the board and advice you have to board members when working with the CEO. So let's go with the CEO first. So if you were coaching a CEO, executive director right now, working with the board, what advice would you have? I would share with the, the CEO to stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission and have courage. Have executive courage because the majority of what they're going to go through is going to be different than anyone else. Is they have to be able to stand in the gap and say it uh, the way it needs to be said but I also would encourage them to get with other nonprofits, get with larger nonprofits, get with for-profit companies so that they can understand the language. Because a lot of our board members are very intelligent, very intuitive for their own businesses. So you wanna make sure that you could speak the language. The better you speak it, then it just doesn't sound like you're just talking 100% from your heart. You sound like you're talking it from an executive leadership standpoint. Oh, that is tremendous advice, right? That's a whole podcast right there, Will. That is that is brilliant, actually, because uh, I've seen that so many times. So now, how about on the other side? Let's let's flip the tables. I'm a board member. How, coach me? How can I better support the organization and a CEO such as yourself? I think the first thing is is make sure you're on the right board. Right. Make sure it's something you really want to do, because if you're just getting on the board because it's a popular board, I can tell you, boys and girls, of St. Lucie County, it is a popular board to be on. Uh, but make sure that that's really your interest or your passion, because it will show if it's not. If it is your passion, jump in. Don't make a bunch of excuses. Get on some of those committees. Be be one of the ones that are like taking a risk and saying, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know how to ask for money, but I'm gonna sit in the middle of a conversation and let the world know that I support this organization, I support the CEO. And then the, the other thing is um, support that CEO. And if the CEO doesn't know everything, um, 
teach them. If you're in that position to be a teacher, uh, be supportive on the things that's going to assist them, like training and development. Be a champion for that so that they can learn and uh, and then help them reach their goals is the biggest one. Incredible advice for all of you listening that are currently a board member or want to be a board member. You heard what Will just said, and he has occupied both seats on the board side and as CEO. Well, Will, Will Armstead, you have had a, a, an incredible career. You're a, a veteran. You've been a businessman. You're now running a nonprofit. You've been a board chair, a board member on a number of nonprofits. And you're also an aspiring MBA, which I congratulate you on uh, pursuing you. that that degree. I tell you what, you're, you're a renaissance kind of man but most importantly you're a gentleman and really appreciate you sharing with us today the value and the importance of that relationship between the ceo and the board so will we really really appreciate your time today thank you guys thanks for having me well what a wonderful interview with will armstead i tell you what that guy is he really is a an amazing ceo he's i'm sure he was a tremendous board member as well Reed and just what a treat to have him so as we as we conclude this podcast what, what are your observations again we ask you because you're the the Gen Z I guess you're at the tail end of it as you hear something like that speak what were some observations what stuck out to you it's amazing how every few years I get told I'm a part of a different generation <laughs> but um so well first what stood out to me was um when it comes to identifying board members as the as the CEO of a nonprofit organization, when it comes to identifying board members, look at who has influence in the community, and then also look for decision makers. That that, that stood out for me. Um, for a board member to have influence in the community really can bring a lot of additional value to an organization, especially a pretty local organization, because um, they'll know a ton of people. They might know everybody. So I think that that was the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah, and it was very strategic how he talked about it, which is what I appreciate, the fact that you just don't let – and it's not every person that's well-known in the community. It still has to be a really correct fit. You know, um, So that that was very interesting, the way he approaches it. Um, what else? What else? I know you've got a number two there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, also making – so he, he pointed out making sure that you have the right executive team in place. Um, a team that's going to support the CEO, a board chair that's going to support the CEO and be on the same page as the CEO um, and vice versa. So because like he, he his tagline for it was when the board chair and CEO are on the same page, that's when magic happens. And that's that's a great way to picture it. Um, you really need a supportive executive team, especially board chair for that CEO in order for the CEO to grow and for the organization to grow. And it just it confirms or affirms the notion that an organization is only as successful as its leader is or leaders are. And then in this case, the CEO, and that's critically important. That's not selfish. That's not self-serving. It's just a reality. So you're right. Building an executive team that can support that CEO, uh, you know, not mutually exclusive, obviously, is a t- team effort. But there, there's got to be a, a direction there to, to ensure that the CEO is successful. Um, and, and that's on mm-hmm. both sides, of course, staff and from a board perspective. Yeah, definitely. And then um, I liked his, at the end, of course, the advice to CEOs and then his advice to board members were both really good. So the advice to CEOs part, you know, um, to have executive courage. That We've seen some examples of that in, in different organizations we've facilitated, and it's always 
it feels powerful, I think, from a third-party perspective. So I feel like as a staff member, it would feel even more powerful. But when you're when your leader, your executive director, your CEO stands up for what the staff needs and or what they want or um, you know what's going to help them the most to the to the board itself because that is their boss technically. Um, so when they do have that executive ter- courage to stand up for staff, um, like I think that goes a long way for the whole organization. Yeah, absolutely, and you. Um... You know, that's why I tell people when, you know, they have to make those decisions or make those type of statements. That's why you make the big bucks, right? You're you're the CEO and that's what you get compensated for. So have those difficult conversations. So you're you're absolutely right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add uh, uh, to, to share with the group, your observations? Yes. So uh, the advice for board members as well. And I, Susie last week touched on this as, as well, but make sure you are on the right board. Like you are volunteering your time don't or don't join a board just because it's the popular thing to do it look it'll look good on your resume like you will very quickly be burnt out you will be uninterested and it won't be worth your time so be involved with an organization if you're going to be a board member be involved with an organization whose mission you genuinely care about one who you are willing to sacrifice your time because you are busy you are volunteering your time so if you're going to be a part of a board make sure you're willing to give your your all maybe might not be the right word, but make sure you're willing to give time and effort and care to these organizations because you are taking somebody else's spot who might be willing to do all those things. Very good comments and very fair. And it's something, you know, it, it, it can be summed up. Uh, you get out of it what you put into it. So you want to be with an organization you want to put stuff into, and that's your time and, and, your, and your talents and your treasures, which we've talked about in the past. But certainly that's the case. So, well, Reed, I, I, another wonderful podcast with Will Armstead. And thank those of you who are listening to this, the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members. And we'll see you next week. Or maybe I should say we'll hear you next week. <laughs>